broadcasting from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries science and management, conservation, and more. No better, fish better. Here's your host, Hogan Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Barbless Podcast. My name is Hogan Brown. Um, gosh, welcome back. It's been a few weeks. Uh, you know, life gets busy. I got busy. I've actually been, uh, been guiding quite a bit, been out on, uh, Lake Orville a few times over the last week. And my oldest son just started lacrosse, which I think I'm of the mindset now that like started is like a, a very, I guess, obscure or inaccurate way to describe it as, neither of my children's sports seasons ever really end. It's just like, depending on how serious they are, we say like, well, it's starting now. And so like my son's really serious season, (laughs) AKA like his club team here in Chico started. So, uh, free time is, uh, I don't want to say at a minimum because I feel like I still have some free time, but it's just uh, it's a lot more of it spent in a lawn chair <laughs> watching sport practices and games now. So um, not a ton of time to record podcasts, but you know we're still going to make it happen. We got some good guests coming up and uh, this show I'm really excited. I've been trying to pin my buddy Jesse Mails down, who's our guest this, uh, this episode for a while. And he is uh, definitely one of those people that is uh, to, to say the guy like I don't even know where the guy is half the time I'm emailing him him or talking to him like he spans gosh Costa Rica Florida Texas Montana Idaho Wyoming and you know it's not like oh I've lived in those places it's like I'm in this place for a few weeks and then I'm in this place it, it's absolutely insane so incredibly interesting guy does a lot of Gosh, really cool stuff. Uh, he's got a great movie on the uh, fly fishing film tour that's touring around the country. Um, it was local. The The actual tour stops were local here in Northern California a few weeks ago, but the uh, the big cast hope um, fly fishing film tour is back and it will be at the Nevada Theater April 1st in Nevada City, California. That's a, you know one that I'm incredibly involved in working with and cast hope. Um, but it's actually the largest film tour event traditionally pre COVID everything's you got to preface everything by pre COVID um, in California. So it's a, it's a big one and sells out. Every, well, again, pre COVID sold out every year. Uh, so if you haven't gotten your tickets and it's something that you would like to go to um head on over to casthope.org and click on events and that'll take you into the the ticket window. They're uh, also sold in person at Real Anglers, Nevada City, if you're local to that part of the world or state. But other things going on, been out on Lake Orville quite a bit. Fishing got kind of, it was really good and then it kind of got tough and now it seems to be starting to get good again. I was out there this last week couple days with both Ryan Williams, Chuck Reagan, all of us were out there and we all were finding fish, you know, kind of in between wind and cold and all that. But a couple areas of the lake, the fish are starting to spawn, starting to get fat with eggs. So the spawn's coming. It didn't quite have that like 
off the hook, just crazy good spring bite or anything, but it, it was pretty consistent. We found fish when I was out there guiding in most of the coves we went into and, um, yeah, it was, it's been good out there. So I know Chuck's had some good days on the lower U, but I have not been over to the lower U, but I have a, I have a really hard time getting motivated to go to the lower U, but when it's like, I don't even want to look how low it is, but it's last time I looked, it was like 550, 600. Like that just, that is a trickle. So, um, but people keep catching fish and a weight anglers doing well over there and got out with actually got out and fished with Chad Alderson, the ex host of the Barbell's podcast. Chad was in town. Chad's been, uh, living in Scottsdale, Arizona and, uh, Chad was back in town for a bit, got out and went striper fishing with Chad for an afternoon last week on the river as well. Chad seems to be doing really well and uh, definitely got into some stripers, found some stripers on the river. Um, so that was good. Nothing nothing too big, but all solid, good fish. Then ended up having some dinner with Chad and the family at uh, Crush in Chico. If you've never been there, I haven't been there in a long time. And for no really good reason, I just hadn't been there. And I, I really had forgotten how good that place is. Um, Jason, the guy that owns that's a friend of Chad's and a fisherman. So if you're in the Chico area or you're staying over, definitely check out Crush for your uh, Italian food and cocktail needs. Good pizzas. Good pizzas there. Well, fly fishing news. Um, got the new Feathercraft catalog. I don't know if anybody gets that, but I would def- highly recommend getting on the Feathercraft mailing list or checking out the Feathercraft website. Uh, it's a cool Midwest fly shop that I always like getting. I think I've said this before. I always like getting catalogs and looking at websites from other parts of the country because you just see different flies, different materials, different, just different stuff. So, um, checking out Feathercraft is definitely they, you know, they're right up there with the Reading fly shop and their catalog and kind of the amount of stuff they sell. So I got that catalog in the mail and I definitely look at that fairly closely. So check that out if you haven't. Other news, man, uh, if you are a baseball fan and you listen to this podcast, you know, I am a baseball fan and it not having baseball and like approaching March 1st, there is this serious sports void in my life you know, usually I am just reading multiple blogs, glued to the radio, watching, you know, recording spring training games during the day and then watching them when I get home. Like I am in full dork mode baseball right now. And man, I, I, I like, I like college basketball. I really enjoy hockey, but they just don't do it for me. Like baseball there is seriously something missing in my life right now and i've come to the conclusion that it that it is baseball so man i mean i've i went today uh watch a chico state baseball game i mean i i'm pretty sure i'm going to be a really big college baseball fan this year i've definitely following notre dame quite a bit more than usual i don't if you don't know notre dame's baseball team is very good and I honestly, I really hope ESPN stands with the commitment that I I read they made that they're going to air just massive amounts of college baseball this year because there's a very good chance that's the only baseball that's going to be on. So uh, I caught a couple of names college baseball today and it, it felt so good, like walking from the parking lot up to the 
stadium and hearing like the ball hit the mitt from these guys warming up in the bullpen. It was just like, this is what has been missing in my life when the weather is like 75 degrees, the trees are blooming. There is just something about baseball in spring that just gets me giddy because all my favorite fishings come in. It just got, just gets me fired up. So, uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad statement. You know, maybe I, I miss baseball, but I guess there's this, uh, maybe that's a statement of like, Hey, if you are a baseball guy like me, just go find it. Cause it's out there, you know, college, high school. And, uh, it, it's, it's popping. It's just not the pros like we're used to. So fill that void, that niche a little different way, maybe. Well, uh, not much else. It's, uh, you know, got some snow this last week. That was good. And, uh, hopefully we got some rain coming. I'm crossing my fingers for one of those miracle marches where it like, you know, rains every day. That'll definitely hamper the baseball, but, uh, we definitely need it. So keep doing your rain dances and hope you enjoy Jesse Mails on the podcast. And definitely when Jesse talks about all the stuff he's doing, definitely check it out. Um, fly fishing film tour, all the stuff out there. So thanks everybody. Hope you enjoy the podcast and have a great time. Take care. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I got a dear friend of mine and uh, kind of somebody that I've I've known for a while that I consider a good friend. I'm a, a, a young man. I think you're still young, right? We're all still young. That's what I tell myself every day. So uh, Jesse Mails, welcome. Welcome to the Barbless Podcast. How are you doing? Super good, my buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, I, I do consider myself young still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a state of mind. I tell myself that every day. I think it is. I yeah. mean, and I think as we get older, we're going to have to keep reaffirming that. Yeah. And then finding other friends that will reaffirm that to <laughs> us as well. <laughs> totally. We just got to keep hold, hanging out with older people or people that's bodies exactly. breaking down faster than ours. That's key. That's definitely key. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, man, we were just talking before we hit record and you are, uh, I had to laugh. You're snuggled up in your closet because you have two young boys. Yes, I am. I'm hiding in my closet like a bunker. <laughs> yeah, because my two boys are running around like Tasmanian devils, man. That's and, awesome. Uh, there's no quiet place in my house right now. This is the best I could do. <laughs> yeah, unless they are asleep or unconscious, I imagine there is oh, absolutely no quiet place. Yeah, it's that's funny. Yeah, I mean that's I I can relate to that a hundred percent. So. So why don't you tell everybody where, 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 you know, I always, the first thing I said to you is where in the world is Jesse Mails? And, uh, exactly. that's definitely apropos to, uh, what you do. So, it is uh, true. <laughs> why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? <laughs> totally, totally. You know, sometimes I feel like, I don't know if you probably remember that whole where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how. That's how I feel about myself sometimes, but it's like, man, between the Costa Rica gigs that I got set up now, um, for people that don't know, I, I mean, I spent the last six years down there creating a guiding business with some of my good buddies and it's off to the races now. Um, and I'm, you know, I show up Costa Rica next week. I'm in Texas, Florida, Montana. I mean, I'm definitely the dude that hops around all over the place and, I got buddies everywhere, so it's kind of hard because I end up wanting to make like I call it the circuit. Like I want to, I want to <laughs> run the circuit like every year and be like, 
hit all the good times at all the good places. And I guess like I've been super fortunate to be able to make that happen sometimes. Sometimes I can't. But um <laughs> Yeah. Dude, right now I'm in Florida. Um, at least for the next month, uh Central Florida and then have some some stuff taking me obviously to a whole bunch of other places. So with the Costa Rica thing, that's kind of how I met you. Let, let's mm-hmm. kind of start the story from there. You, you you moved to Costa Rica, and and what what? It's funny because when I, for the longest time, Costa Rica were was like where a lot of people that didn't fly fish go. And then I I kind of vaguely have like a conscious memory of like sailfish in Costa Rica, like a crocodile bay or something like that. You right, know? right. But like you were the first person that I really knew that like turned it into more of like it was a fishery. Like I, you were, or exposed me to it. Tell people yeah, about what you were doing down there. I think you're right in, in that regard. Like I, when I got down there, there was pretty much, um, when I, he turned out, it tur- turns out everybody that was in the fly fishing industry down there before me, uh, ended up becoming my good friends. That's um, awesome. And yeah, it is awesome because it's a small network of people down there that fly fish and it, you know, in the past, it was known like on the billfish side, and then way back, like in the you know sixties, seventies, early eighties, it was really known for the tarpon fishing. Yeah. Um, and we're that's sort of the film that I do have in the F three T is sort of like a history lesson on that, and then sort of what we're doing with it in modern times. But that really didn't come till till later in being in Costa Rica. I mean, we started fishing a lot of the jungle rivers me and a good friend of mine like we didn't know anything so it was like google earth just like driving around in the truck like trying to get to places and um man we found so many really really cool things and then i ended up running into a a good buddy of mine mark evans who's in the guiding business with me who also owns an outdoor store in san jose there and he was just this well-connected dude. He's been there for a long time. And, every, you know, his store really kicked off. It's like the premier outdoor store in, in the country. And he, uh, man, we just started networking hard. The second we met, it was like, you meet people and then it's like, I don't know. Sometimes you meet people and it's like your brothers, you've known each other forever, but you yeah. really haven't. It was one exactly. of those remarks, man. Like, yeah. we we dodged each other for a few minutes and then when we finally fished together for the first time i don't think we ever stopped fishing together that's awesome and uh and we, so it was like off to the races and yeah we we opened up uh a lot of the jungle stuff started doing some unique like remote beach camping trips um really opened up the trout fishing because there's great rainbow trout fishing there. Um, and it all has like this deep history leading back to this dude named Peter Gorinsky, who was uh, from Guyana, but has been in Costa Rica, I guess, for maybe 50 years now. Mm-hmm. And he was the real pioneer for fly fishing down there um, way back in the, I guess, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then um, he's still operating a business now through... Uh, some other people, but he's, I think, 82 or 83. Oh, now. wow. He's, he's an old guy. Um, but ended up, dude, I lived like coincidence has it. I was talking to Mark, my buddy from the outdoor store one day, and he's like, oh, yeah, dude, Peter, like we can go see him or whatever. And, and it turned out the dude lived like 500 yards from my house. <laughs> the, godfather. the godfather. Yeah, the godfather <laughs> yeah. right down the street. So then we became good friends, and I would like take him to get groceries and stuff like that. Yeah. 
And then he knew this dude, Tom Enderlin, who, who's been guiding Tarpon in the jungle down there for a long time. And um, through happenstance and through media, I ended up getting hooked up with Tom and, and this other guy, Federico Hampel, who um, are just outstanding fishermen and uh, really have done a lot, I guess, for fly fishing there. And it, now yeah. it's just like this tight group of dudes. We all know each other and we all get along super well. So it's uh, – but with the media side of things, definitely, I, when I got there, man, I was just like, you could barely find articles on the internet. Yeah. And I just started like busting loose with like videos of everything I was doing. And yeah. And now I think, I think people really are, are looking at Costa Rica a little different. I mean, I know our clients are because we're getting clients left and right. So, yeah. And I know I am. I mean, and you, it was one of those places that like I really kind of like, I didn't think of as a fly fishing destination. I, I definitely thought of it as like an outdoors person's destination. You know what I mean? Like sure, a lot of people. Is. Yeah. Like it, it, it kind of was in my mind, it was kind of like a cool outdoorsy place to go visit. And then like, there was a little bit of sail fishing out of crocodile Bay. Mm-hmm. And then like, that was it. But like, I mean, trout, like I never had any idea there was trout there. And then, I mean, even then some of the fishes, the fish you catch in those jungle rivers, like, I don't even know what they are, but yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it looks like an amazing place. It's really cool, man. There's, um, the trout fishing is something we have developed, but it it has a long history too. And then, um, we've really got it locked down as to which rivers have like the big fish in them and which don't. Um, and then out, it's all about like altitude and temperature, you know, obviously. And because you're in, Central America, it tends to be hot. Yeah. Um, but we have like mountain, the highest mountains, like 12,700 feet. It's like massive. Wow. So there's some really high, high stuff there that stays cool. And mm-hmm. um, the fish somehow survive in there pretty well. Wow. And uh, man, we fish a machaca, which is like a piranha species, which is okay. probably our favorite thing to do. Yeah. I remember seeing um, those. I've seen those in your pictures. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, my buddy is uh, Tom and Federico. They made a vi- a really nice uh, video about them, maybe a few years ago. I think that was in the fly fishing mm-hmm. film tour as well. And uh, and then we fish like what's really funny is like right in town in San Jose in the city. There's all these like urban creeks and stuff that like are essentially like run off from the mountains, but that yeah. pass through the city. Yeah. And there's like all these little tropical panfish that live in there, but you'll be like fishing by like it's like fishing in a sewer system, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. kidding. But there's, there's a sewer system cool in little... a South American country. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah. And my buddy, my really good friend Jose, uh, is the one that got us turned on to him because when he started fly fishing, that was the only thing he had access to was right there. And he was like, saw these little fish like behind a freaking. <laughs> Pali or something like some little supermercado or something yeah. and he's like starts fishing them because that's all he had to fish yeah so then when we met him he's like a really good trout angler now but yeah. he he got us turned on to him dude and they're super fun you like creep in there with three weights and like <laughs> you're fishing by like shopping carts and like r- like drainage pipes it's really really cool i you know it's funny like i like that will always hold a fascination for me like i was just talking with uh, a guy in phoenix setting up a video shoot and i'm like he's talking to me about you know fishing for carp and channels and ditches and all this stuff and i'm like 
he's like, well, we could also go out on the lake and do, I'm like, nah, man, let's fish the ditches. Like I want to go do something a little different. Like, Oh, I love it, dude. I love the, I love it for sure. It's really, really neat. So you get a lot of like remote jungle stuff too. Like for, for these little like cichlid species, like Mm -hmm. rainbow bass and tiger bass and all these things, jaguar, it's like, it's pretty vast, a lot more vast than people I think have really thought about. So you're, you're, I mean, you haven't even touched on the saltwater stuff. Like all the stuff you're oh, talking no, about yeah. is, is freshwater. And fresh I, I don't water, think, right. I mean, outside of some of the big, like Amazon rivers and stuff, most people don't think of like South America as like freshwater fishing. I, I think, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Or especially is, Central America. Yeah. Like for some reason, like when you get South America, you start thinking, Amazon. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what then, I meant was Central America. You're right. Yeah, yeah, Central America is more like people just don't think about what's inshore, which is strange. And then it's all like on our Caribbean side, we have the tarpon fishery, which is absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I want to work my and way then, to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the uh, the the Pacific side is you know, we started running these remote beach camping trips, me and my, my good friend, Micah, who's like a brother to me, kind of, I literally, I've known the dude since he came home from the hospital as a baby, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he's like, we started finding these remote beaches, like on the Northern Pacific side of the country that there's nothing built on them. It's just like these beautiful freaking beaches. Yeah. So we started taking people out there and camping for a week, you know, and like kayak fishing and sup fishing and throwing, you know, we'd throw spinning rods, we'd throw flies, we'd throw whatever, you know. And um, that's a really, just a really cool way to see some of those beaches. And you can catch pompanos, snook, roosterfish, jacks, snappers. I mean, these little grouper looking things off the rocks. I mean, there's, you could go off in the, in the paddleboard and, you know, 200 yards off the beach and hook a yellowfin tuna. Jesus. I mean, it's like now, it's how really are you sick. getting there? Uh, long car rides, <laughs> <laughs> long, long car. car rides from San Jose. And then, gotcha. uh, and then once you're out there, you're pretty much stay out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the remainder of the trip. Um, and it's a really, that's just a really cool thing. Um, we've seen sailfish under the kayaks. We've, I mean, hooked milkfish right off the, kayaks um it's just really really kind of cool way to to do the beach scene up there and then as you come down the pacific coast like to the central region it's like most of your popular surfing beaches and like built up stuff so there's yeah not a lot of stuff we do there but then farther south down towards where crocodile bay was um you know we have a really good rooster fishing program there where it's kind of not not very conventional in the sense like we we tease them up kind of like you do a sailfish and then you yeah. pass that up behind the boat gotcha and uh that's that's a lot of fun actually i mean you could see hundreds of fish in a day and it's just really visual uh, well, and then you could do sailfish and marlin out of there too that's nuts because i mean you said some you said it's not conventional but there, there's literally when i've and i've paid attention to all the stuff you do like nothing of it nothing that you do is conventional 
<laughs> so like as if for the listeners, like whatever <laughs> that 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 statement That's it is so it is sort of yeah. unconventional should be put in front of every type of fishing that we will be discussing. So I think you're pretty much right on par with that. Yeah. So yeah. so and all this you're kind of just discovering by hanging out and living down there, right? Like and getting yeah, kind of exactly. plugged in. So, totally man like we the beaches we found kind of ourselves just by running around and and me and micah would go and just like and i gotta say before we go on like god bless my wife for freaking (laughs) putting up with all this garbage yeah i'm not gonna lie i like for at least a year and knowing you i'm like jesse's single like jesse's not married yeah, totally and then guy. you then you posted no. a video of like your son <laughs> and your wife and i was just like holy uh, crap yeah, i'm like exactly. i thought my wife was forgiving and cool <laughs> like dude yeah no way dude and i think the key for me is like we we um had started our family in this lifestyle yeah so it's sort of like you know, we didn't like have the kids and get a plan. And, and then I, one day I was like, Hey, we should move to Central America and I should be a hobo for six years. So I figure <laughs> shit out. Yeah. Like, totally. No way. Like it. So like, I think, I guess the key is like starting all that in the lifestyle versus trying to jump yes. into this lifestyle from a normal routine. Cause it's completely impossible. Yeah. And that's, that's funny you say that. Cause that's how I explain my situation with my wife is like, I always say, I'm like, well, I've always been a fly fishing guide and like, she's never known me as anything else. So it's like, you just the program. So like, yeah, I've lived and worked in the fly fishing industry and that's just how we do things. So yeah, no, I totally get that. That's a really good point. <laughs> but it was, it it's was true. completely funny for the longest time. Like even the, the boys at Loon were like, wait, he's married. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah. Totally. Pretty sure he is. Totally. <laughs> 10 years deep. Yeah, that's yeah. legit. Yeah. It's fine. I met, met my wife in college. So, and, and when I met, I was actually, um, the first like year we were married, I, I managed a Domino's pizza on the UCF campus. That was, <laughs> I got it to be, I li- I took it over from a an, old, an older manager, but it ended up being the busiest Domino's pizza in the southeastern United States. Oh, geez. and I. So after a year of that, I was like, "Babe, I gotta quit this thing," and I, <laughs> and I I quit, and then I started working as like a kayak expert at a outdoor store, and then from then on, she was like, "Wow, this dude's really freaking ridiculous about this outdoor stuff." <laughs> 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 and that's it and she's known she's known since then that it was like i'm gonna go as hard at this as i can until something cracks yeah so yeah. you're down there when do you <laughs> when do you discover i mean i guess two questions when do you discover the tarpon fishing and when yeah, do you yeah. when do you really go like hey maybe this is not just like fun for me and my buddies that i met but like a commercial thing Exactly. Yeah. So like we, we knew, I knew about the tarpon going there because yeah. I had seen, um, just some media from, from Tom Enderlin and some, and the fly fishing nation guys about the, the jungle tarpon. And I had been in communication a little bit with a place called Tarponville that's on the Caribbean side. And I had, and I actually went over there and met, um, the dudes running that place and, and sponsored a tournament there. And, and then, it kind of all just what I had had determined was that 
okay, Tom Enderlin's fishing the jungle in the, in the central part of the country, up in the rivers, and then on the southern Caribbean is Tarpenville, so there's really no room for me, and the tarpon fishery is kind of on the way out, so I'm just not even going to worry about tarpon. And uh, we ended up going up, me and Micah, just while we were running around to these lagoons that were flooded up in the jungle uh, near Nicaragua, and we were paddling around in the kayak and found a few really big tarpon. Yeah. Like a lake, dude. Like you were bass fishing, like (laughs) lily pads everywhere, but there were these giant tarpon rolling. So we like tied the kayak up to some lily pads and, and I ended up hooking like a massive fish and he just like went flying through all the lily pads and like ended up breaking (laughs) me off. But it was absolutely insane. So then we started thinking, man, like we need to, we need to see if there's way to, you know, maybe there's something we're missing. And it really took like, it wasn't until right before COVID started that we uh, were talking with Peter Gorinsky one day and he's like, oh, dude, it's still like pretty legendary up where this old lodge he used to, to work with called Casamar was, which is way up at the, the border of Nicaragua and Costa Rica on the Caribbean side. It's really mm-hmm. just the far corner of the country. You, you can't drive there. You got to like drive to the river, then take a boat out to the coast and then go up in these creeks and up back to this lagoon. And that's where this lodge used to be. And it's, yeah. Um, there's a big river that dumps into the ocean there and the ocean side, um, is known for, for having fish. Yeah. But no one was there. There's like, I think silver King lodge is a lodge out there. That's like more like a hooker hideout, not really <laughs> like a serious fishing lodge. And then, you know, that was it. And then there's just like people up there doing, you know, other things. Yeah. Say. What people do in the jungle and in that part of exactly. the world. Exactly. <laughs> so we, uh, we were talking with Peter Karinsky and he's like, no, you, this is where you need to focus. So Mark ended up knowing some, some business guys in San Jose that like to tarpon fish and they got us like the name of this boat guy. And we ended up going out there and having like just the craziest tarpon experience ever. Like we ran out the river mouth into the ocean, past the breakers, there's fish just rolling like everywhere. We're, I mean, we look in the horizon, there's like tarpon flying out of the water, like a school of tuna, like a kid you not, just like free jumping everywhere, like just busting onto this giant bait ball, literally like three football fields large of just like tarpon. So we just run in there and immediately we're all hooked up on fish at the same time. Just like <laughs> a triple four, <laughs> yeah, four people. Cause the, the boat guy ended up throwing a bucktail jig in there off his spinning rod. And so we we're everybody on the boat was just fighting fish. And we were like, what the hell is happening? Cause like I fished tarpon in Florida, my growing up and like, you know, it's more romantic. It's like clear water. You spot the fish. It comes close. You cast at it. This was just like absolute mayhem, and we were, <laughs> we were all we. I think we caught like we hooked like almost thirty fish that day, and then uh, landed like eleven. And we Jeez. were between the three of us, and we were all like, "This is the craziest shit in the world." And well, and from seeing your videos, like these are not small tarpon. Oh no, they're all huge, dude. That's the <laughs> yeah. crazy thing. Like there's yeah. no babies, so like. It's a weird place because we don't have our Caribbean side doesn't really have a lot of mangrove systems for like the babies to really do well in. So yeah. like 
the we think they're they're coming up from Venezuela, Colombia, and like kind of coming there just to feed because gotcha. it's just like so much food there. And then they bump probably up to the Yucatan, around towards Cuba. It kind of make this big circle is what we're imagining. You know, gotcha. we don't know. Gotcha. But um, they're all massive, massive fish, and um, so we got we had this crazy thing right before COVID where we we had these epic days out there. We ended up going back multiple times and we're like, okay, this is the, this is the spot. You know, if we're going to, we're going to do any tarpon fishing, this is it. And it was about that time or about a year earlier that we actually started the guiding business because I started doing kind of a lot of fly tying stuff on social media originally. That, and I still do like fly tying is a huge part of my business. Yes. But it, um, and which is really how things started because my buddy Micah was like, I was tying flies one day down there and he was like, dude, you should sell these flies. And I was like, no one wants to buy these flies. <laughs> and he's like, no, dude, like you should, you should do it. So I ended up starting the website and dude, I started selling flies like crazy. Yeah. So then social media kicked off and this and that, and you, you play the, the game online there and it, and it, it got to where so many people were asking us like if we were guiding and we we're like, no, we're not guiding. We're just, being idiots <laughs> and then eventually we were like no we should probably you know we're having so many people ask us like we should probably get serious about it and and, and we did so at this point when we found the tarpon thing we were like a year and a half into like guiding pretty heavily yeah and we knew we wanted to start a tarpon thing so we found the spot and then covid happened and we were just like sitting ducks you know i yeah. think we we inherited like this uh ferment i don't know what you call it like the beer making equipment so me and mike <laughs> were just like sitting up on the mountain making our own beer for like yeah. 15 months while the country was in lockdown or something <laughs> and uh we literally we just sat there because like if we left we they weren't gonna let us back in the country uh, <sighs> if you weren't a citizen citizen so we were yeah. like we literally just sat down there i kid you not for almost 16 months before people started being able to come back to Costa Rica. Gotcha. So that kind of shot everything out of the water. And, uh, we were like trying to pick up after that and see, are we going to have tourism? Yeah. Are people too scared to travel? So really the last two years was, uh, kind of just a mess like a hodgepodge, get clients here, get clients there. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, which pretty much December till now has just been lights out. Um, absolutely nuts. And we're booking. So then we get back to the tarpon. Yeah. Freaking. We start going back tarpon fishing. It's still insane. We, um, we get some stuff worked out with a local little, not a lodge, but it's like little cabinas, little, uh, um, uh, great like chefs and it's like a really cool unique place um that we we go with the clients and then i had gone last april was when we went and i had filmed some stuff just on random because the fishing was so nuts i was like screw it i'm taking i'm bringing the camera i'm gonna film some stuff yeah and i got some stuff that was just like gold and um well, and you're, to, you're, so people know, I mean, you're a fairly accomplished photographer and videographer. Like that's not an uncommon thing for you to bring a camera, I imagine. Yeah. So that's, so what's, yeah, you know, I, I guess I am now in a way 
I, you know, it's like you you look at your own artwork and you hate it, and you look yeah. at one's artwork and it's like this is awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I am now, and and really that came about out of just trying to create content for my fly tying business and for the guiding business. Like I never thought now I'd be doing so much freelance work, but yeah. I, I mean, now I'm working on film projects. I'm doing photo stuff for companies. <laughs> I'm doing, I mean, it's like, that's so funny it. because I, I think of like, you as a photographer, right? Like I that's, am, I guess I am now. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't back then. Like, yeah. That's what's so funny is like, uh, it all, happened has just evolved organically and i love freaking taking photos and i love doing videos yeah like that's my my whole heart now but then it's like you if you asked me if i loved guiding i'd be like dude i freaking love guiding like that's my whole heart and then if you're like dude you like doing flies and like teaching people i'd be like dude that's my whole like so it's this crazy mashup that i'm in oh that's just how it is man i mean that's that's I mean, anyone that I've ever known, including myself, that makes a living in the fly fishing industry is it, it is a patchwork quilt of yeah, you know, we're Swiss Army knives, you know, uh-huh. and, uh huh. And dude, it's true. Today I'm I freaking woke up. I saw I shipped a rod back to Winston Rods. I freaking signed a media contract. Talked to another company about doing some content creation and then i tied fly orders for the rest of the day until i'm talking to you <laughs> i'm like come on yeah never you know? a dull moment <laughs> no it's just like unbelievable so and we uh god i don't know so that i got it i am a photographer and videographer now yeah and so you have like, the the tarpon fishing and you've finally been right. able to start putting clients out and bringing clients right. in yes and exactly so the the video and the photography and all that i mean that develops basically out of necessity out of necessity right yeah and then when do you decide to make this movie so i shot this really epic footage last april of just like tarpon going crazy um my buddy's doubling up like right at the same time by the boat like a few really key good shots of it kind of you know, you're only going to get there. Yeah. And I showed, uh, I showed them to my buddies, Tom and Federico, who had filmed the video of the Machanka and who yeah. are at this point, good friends of mine. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you know, you should, they knew me as like, they knew I was just going to put out like a YouTube banger. Like I always do. <laughs> they're like, yeah. dude, you're just like, and they were like, I think Federico was like, Hey man, I think it'd be cool if you didn't just put this out on YouTube like as just a three minute edit, like maybe build it, try, try and build something out of this. And yeah, I had known Peter Gorinsky, like I said, for, <clears throat> for a while. So in the, in the actual film, Peter Gorinsky gives me just like this stunning interview, um, about the, the history of the area and, and mainly Casa Mar, which was the old lawns that used to be there back in the seventies, eighties. And, um, it's no longer there. The jungle's just completely eaten the whole thing. But um, he the the video becomes based around the history of the tarpon fishery, and come to find out, it was like the testing ground for all like modern saltwater fly fishing gear, like reel lines, all of your saltwater rods, your I mean everything for saltwater was tested down there on those fish, and and 
all your big dudes like I oh mean, the Lefty history that's yeah, when i watched the, the video i was you know and it kind of it kind of loops into what i was saying at the beginning is i I had a, I, I did I never thought of Costa Rica as a fly fishing place. I kind of had, it was like, man, well, you can do this a little bit, but then I watched your movie and it was like, I couldn't have been so wrong. Like it has the history of that place. It was like, you know, almost like Yankee stadium. It was like yeah. Yankee stadium. And then they tore it down and everybody forgot about it. You know what Dude, I mean? Dude, It's so true. Like you should, I mean, inside Peter Gorinsky's home is like a museum dude like he's got the the old photos and the old art magazine articles and stuff he has is just so so tell everybody tell everybody a little bit about it because I mean you know it what 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 is the history I mean so the history is that you know it was the tarpon fishing mecca I mean it, it was like and it once those big guys, like all the heavy hitters in the, in the fly fishing that we call legends today, once they stopped going, it sort of just fizzled out. And then the lodge ended up getting sort of mismanaged financially. And the banks, I, I think if I hear correctly, ended up taking it over from the mm-hmm. guy. And then Bill Barnes was one of the OGs that, that was essentially like the lodge manager and, and of the whole operation. And once mm-hmm. he was gone, it, it really just, the jungle ate the place. And, um, it really just, the keys picked up in, in prominence, other tarpon destinations kind of took over kind of the limelight and, yeah. and, and that's it. And it really just got forgotten for decades, dude. Like it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to think that it did, but it totally did. And, um, well, and the pictures, now, and the like, pictures you have, it's like, it's lefty cray. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, yeah. and it, the way the video talks about it is like, it, it's like people talk about the keys now. That's exactly what you're, it was like, it, this was the place. This was the place for sure. Yeah. I mean, the it's just incredible that it went away and and it's such an ex- and then it fell into my lap you know in a way like i'm so grateful because <laughs> yeah it just kind of came fell into our lap like it did and knowing peter garinsky who was you know the pioneer to central america for fly fishing and south america right yeah. i mean he he has photos of him and and i think chico fernandez catching like the first arapaima back in the 60s or something Wow. Like, yeah, when they're like young little dudes holding up an air pile on like a stick with like a fly rod. And I'm like, it's like, he's, a, he's the, he's like the legend. And it's yeah. like crazy that I lived right by him. I met, you know, just met all the right people through the time being there. And then having shot that footage and knowing the backstory, just no one could have made the film like that, you know, except me. And it was a challenge because I, filmed and edited the whole thing you know which is uh not the typical you know not the norm for those types of of productions normally you have a bunch of people working on it and editors and producer and a sound guy and you know and it's like yeah you're definitely the indie rock band of the film tour you know what i mean dude for sure (laughs) (laughs) there's no doubt yeah and, no and so the, the, the history of it, it's like the fish didn't go away. It's not like the no, fishery dude. declined. 
it was the... well in a, peter will tell you in a way it did like peter okay. says that in a way they were putting i think at, at one point they were putting like 14 boats a day out gotcha and the area you fish is like the ocean side is you maybe have like 15 20 miles of coastline that's mm-hmm. that's really kicking it yeah and um then you you hit the border of nicaragua you can't go across there and then when you go farther south, there's another river mouth that does fish, but it's not as good. Yeah. And you just, I think they, they really hit it so hard. And Peter Peter says that the fishing did decline a bit, but that it wasn't, you know, detrimental in a way. Yeah. But you said what they were doing was having an impact. And I think back then there was a lot more like local consumption of the tarpon and netting yeah. and yeah more than there is now like there is they still net snook and all types of stuff out there but they're the tarpon population has been unmolested now for a while but um another thing that had a big impact was the they started deforesting a lot of the inland a lot of the forests that surrounded the river systems so you ended up having a lot more erosion and sediment, like the the whole river system changed. And I, I think gotcha. for a while the fish left. Gotcha. Uh, and then once the area sort of got used to that flow of sediment and the river mouth, you know, it ended up clogging up the river mouth. Like if you go now, it's, it's quite dangerous in a way. Um, it's just very shallow river mouth. So when you have a big swell, you, you can't get out. Gotcha. Um, and that's sort of our tarpon season is based around weather because if the fish are always there, but if you can't get out the mouth, the river mouth, then you're, you can't fish them, you know? Gotcha. Um, and it, so there were some, there were some problems with the river and then it ended up, you know, I wish I was there to see it, but people just quit going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, then it had decades to sort of rebound and, um, I took, some good friends of mine from Florida out there last fall and just had a, an insane time, you know, and they one of them's a tarpon guide, my friend court in, uh, in Dunedin. And he's a, he's a tarpon junkie. And, and it was super funny seeing him out there with just so many fish. <laughs> I was just going to say, what's a What's a tarpon guide from the keys. Who's, you know, doing basically yeah. war every day with yeah. all sorts of boats and guides to get his client a fish going out there and just like shooting fish in a barrel basically yeah, you know i'd love to see funny, the look like, on that guy's face pretty funny he uh needless to say he's hosting uh two weeks again in, <laughs> in this september um that's awesome it was really fun dude he's, he's a good friend of mine and it's just funny you know because it's so it's like i said i'll say it again it's kind of unconventional tarpon fishing yeah, well, what is unconventional about it when you, it comes? So you you're outside this river mouth, sort of like right behind the breakers, and and it's like this chocolate water dumping into emerald blue Caribbean water. So you have dark about a meter of dark water up top, and then the bottom, you know, is all gin clear under there. So gotcha. You'll see fish rolling or busting on the surface, but it's ideal to get your fly down into that clear water. So we use like really heavy lines and then sometimes like lead core or something to really pull that fly down below the darker top layer, essentially. Gotcha. And if fish aren't busting on the top that you could just cast into and hook up immediately, um, you almost like dredge, just dredge the whole time until 
and and the fish end up eating it and it's gotcha. like but there's so many fish around like you'll be kind of dredging and, and making these casts and letting that fly sink all the way down sort of dragging it and dude it's just it's not like like i said like you're not spotting a, an individual fish you're sort of like you can't see your fly it's under yeah. all this chocolate milk water and then you feel a freaking thud and you strip strike and then a 150 pound fish comes out of the water and you're like what the heck and it's just <laughs> insane that's yeah. really cool you know and that's like for for my listeners like guys that are striper fishermen like you know we fish heavy sinking lines and big flies and in the depths of the totally. river and the delta so it's it's not any different than that it's just in people's no, con- deal. yeah people's concept of tarpon fishing it's different right I think. right yeah Oh, it is. And like at the sight of like seeing, you know, a school of 400 fish and there's like fish flying out of the water everywhere. I, that's like the thing that maybe it'll happen in Boca Grande sometimes, but you're the seeing it happening out there is just like, it's incredible, man. Yeah. I mean, incredible. I've spent a fair amount of time t- chasing tarpon around and I've never seen that. So no, I hadn't either. I mean, and I haven't except for down here. Like yeah. and the first time I saw it, I was like, I remember looking out towards the horizon and just seeing this big pot of white water and <laughs> tarpon doing cartwheels above it. And I was like, what is this? And we ran a, <laughs> ran the boat right into him and just like all put our lines out. And it was just stupid, crazy after that. So how um, long are those fish there? Like, what is the season? So, like, the fish are there all year. Like, they don't the, – the thing we base our season around, which is our season's pretty much April, May, the first part of June, and then late August, September, October. Okay. And that's because we're basing it around weather patterns when mm-hmm. we know we can most – be most likely be able to get out of the river mouth because gotcha the the swell gets so bad with storms and with just the way the caribbean is that you end up it, you could go out there like my buddies just went out there three weeks ago and had a heyday but typically the weather's bad so gotcha you know we live in country so the guys can call us and be like hey the swell's down come on out and we're there the next morning but for clients and for booking we pretty much base it around weather patterns Gotcha. Um, but the fish are there all year, dude. All year wow. long. Yeah. Now, is there is there other stuff there as well? I mean, obviously, tarpon's the the main attraction. But right. What else is in that part of the country? Yeah. So you're up. Uh, you know, you take a, a a boat out to this area, and there's all types of lagoons, little creeks, mm-hmm. um, where you can catch snook, snapper. Uh, these tropical panfish called moharas, little tigre wapotes, and machacas. Um, so if you can't make it out the river mouth, you could go back to these lagoons, and, and you'll see tarpon back rolling in the lagoons too. They're just really hard to feed. Gotcha. And uh, in the lagoons, we you will see little baby tarpon too, like maybe in the 20-pound range, uh, sometimes less, but they're also super hard to hook. We haven't really figured out a good way to target those you'll see gotcha. them rolling but you can't feed them for some reason interesting um, yeah it's super interesting but you could catch these you know so we usually tell people to bring 
a five weight along with them in case for whatever reason they just want to go back and fish those species they can yeah oh I, or I they, mean you know because after you're i mean you're beating up 150 pound fish for three days it's like maybe i want to go catch those little panfish Total, oh dude you know? i mean if i'm and there i want to catch everything drop back <laughs> yeah um and go poke around like in yeah it's just beautiful pristine jungle out there so it's you know you can get into some really remarkably photogenic areas if you can say that yeah that's great so you guys are offering trips in those months and people fly into san jose and then get exactly right transportation from san jose north yeah, so we live, me and all, and our guiding business is sort of based right outside, 30 minutes from the international airport in San Jose. So typically people fly in, um, we either meet them at the airport or we have a shuttle pick them up and bring them right to us. And then we're with them the whole trip. We pretty much usually stay one night in San Jose. Then the next morning, take a four and a half hour taxi kind of ride out to a river <laughs> yeah then take uh a boat out to the location and then we're there you know once you get out there you're there yeah and you you usually take if we leave real early you could fish that first afternoon so yeah. so you come in you crash with us we get you know hang out then get out there fish the afternoon and then the remainder of the days however long people want to stay out we typically you know, two full days out there and then two half days on the side is pretty much the shortest I'd recommend just because yeah. it's a big area, man. And, and it could be lights out one day and, and slow the next day. So like if you, if you give yourself, you want to give yourself adequate time out there to really see it all, yeah, especially if sure. you want to fish the lagoons and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then people, you know, we pretty much come out, crash in San Jose another night and people fly out the next day. Uh, and as as exotic out of the way destinations go, that's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward, man. Yeah. It's, um. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that we're super thankful for, and and we've actually teamed up this year with Tom Enderlin, who has the uh, I mentioned is a good friend of ours now. Yeah. Already has like a really um, successful tarpon business but way up 200 miles up the river in the in the middle of the jungle so gotcha he's super pumped to be kind of teamed up with us to bring back this ocean fishery that's there and uh you know it's like like i said something that fell into our lap and man i'm just so fired up about it oh yeah it's amazing so yeah it's unreal i can't believe i'm even involved with that shit <laughs> to be honest yeah <laughs> you know? well and you made the movie yeah. and you got the movie yeah. on the film tour so everyone right. you know go see the f3t film tour and yeah. what's the name of the movie it's the legend of Casamar, which there you was go. the old lodge out there yes and that even that i'm i'm super thrilled to have it in the film tour that they picked it up as a huge blessing and um i definitely put a lot of time and energy into it so i hope people are enjoying it as it's going around um, uh, it's a great flick. It's, you know, it's, it kind of, I've seen a lot of film tours and I see a lot of fly fishing films just in the roles that I serve. And it is equal parts, interesting, educational, absolutely insane fish porn stuff. You don't even yeah. believe when you see it. <laughs> yeah. And like, it, it kept me, it kept my attention a hundred percent. I even, you know, 
uh, I told you not me not to share it, but I shared it right. with one of my best friends, and <laughs> I was like, "You got to see this. Don't let anybody else see this, but you got to <laughs> see let this." Don't see this. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's funny. I went to Bozeman for the premiere uh, up in Montana. I brought the wife. Had the yeah. had the had my folks watch the kids. Me and the wife flew out. To oh, good for you to watch the premiere, and it was like really neat, man. Seeing the the you know whatever three hundred people in a theater just going nuts over it. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, this thing slaps really hard!" Like the second it came on, everyone was just going nuts over it. So it was really cool. It's so funny when you do things like that because so much of that creative process is done alone, right? Like sure. you are just yeah. you know buried in headphones in a computer or a music studio <laughs> or a yeah. you know dark room, and uh, when it comes out and hundreds and thousands of people see it, it's a uh, it's a really cool experience because it's such a thing you do on your own, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes, it's true. And, um, there's like, uh, you know, everyone's, I guess the people close to me have been, you know, what are you, are you going to try and do another film? And I'm like, you know, this film kind of happened organically. So it's yeah. not, like, I didn't set out to do this. It like, can't, it kind of fell into my lap and I was like compelled to do it. Yeah. Um, and, it felt very yeah, organic. Man, it was, it was just, that's how it came. And, and, you know, I don't, as of right now, have plans to work on another one for next year. Yeah. I don't know, like, but it's, <laughs> I'm definitely on other film projects, but as far as F3T is concerned, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, well, you got a ton going on, man. What else? I mean, dude, I do. <laughs> tell everybody else I what just, you got going on. Well, I just got back from Costa Rica filming a billfish tournament. Um, and then I'm actually, just signed some contracts. I should be filming like 15 other billfish tournaments. Wow. Uh, between now and August, I'm uh, really just working as a videographer. Uh, I won't be doing any editing for those just shooting stuff and dumping it over to the editing team, I guess. And then, man, I'm going to be then uh, as soon as that's over, <laughs> I'm, uh, going right to guide tarpon in Costa Rica, September, October, um also i think two weeks of september i might be in alaska and then november i want to go back to texas and hang out with mac elliott again yes uh she is such a legend uh i've been keeping in touch with her well and uh i just can't even tell you how awesome it was hanging with her so probably go do some running around with her um I, there is a film i really want to film uh, it's really the only story that I have in mind. Um, I'm going to keep it a secret for now, but that might be getting filmed in November. Awesome. And, uh, cause I, I'd like the idea of working on like an annual project. Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing I did get out of spending so much time on that, that tarpon film was that I love the quick content creation of, of Instagram and, and YouTube. And, yeah. and those are always on my mind as busy as I am. Like they, they yeah. suffer greatly because I'm so busy, <laughs> but that's always, you know, working on something and, and putting time and energy into building story and really focusing on the shots. I would like that process. Yeah. Um, so having that as more of an, you know, working on one nice annual project a year, I think is something that's realistic for me. Yeah. Um, cause my wife doesn't work, man. I'm the only breadwinner. So like I got to do the gigs that make some money too. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I understand a hundred percent. 
run around and with my homies and and bum it. Yeah, like if it was me living in my van, that's one thing. <laughs> I was convinced but, you were living in your van for a long God. time, dude. So yeah, I actually just bought a really cool van, which we'll <laughs> see more of. That's sweet. Uh, coming up, yeah, it's like a it's a 1994 Suzuki van from japan so like the oh i know the kind the yeah opposite. yeah it's like that's a I death just, trap uh, in a windstorm dude if i hit anything in that i'm gonna die because <laughs> the front of it is like perfectly flat so like yes. there's like tinfoil between my knees <laughs> and whatever i hit yeah you know you're it's toast just, i'm toast there's no yeah and there's no seat belts in the thing <laughs> it's just like it you're is not taking trap. the kids around to school in that thing no, I'm gonna definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But I got. Uh, I'm gonna be hope, hopefully doing some stuff for that shortly. That's um, awesome. I really so can't yeah. go wrong with a van. I mean, anything you do in a van, you you're gonna have do. fun. I've done you a can. lot of things in vans, and I can't honestly say I've never had a bad time. So yeah. So I guess for me, on the short, on the skinny, yeah, short and sweet. I'm gonna fish as much as I can. The rest of the summer, probably keep fishing redfish here in Florida. Yeah. Um, in between my video jobs with these billfish tournaments and then tarping down in Costa Rica. Um, I think I'll spend a week in Costa Rica in April, too, doing a beach camping trip Yeah, with some clients. And then September, October, tarpon, Alaska, Texas, Florida, Wyoming, and then Montana. And then it'll be winter time again, and then I'll be figuring out where it's warm and going there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did oh, last summer. You did last summer as a trip. Go to Belize in May. Oh, you got a Belize trip too? Yeah. In okay. May. Okay. Yeah. Well, you did last summer as a trout guide. You're not doing that's. You're going Man, from. You know, I really wanted to guide there again. Yeah. Um, and then this, but this video gig is going to take me away from that. Well, that's what I was saying. Um, you're going, I was going to say that is you're going from a, you know, a trout guide to a billfish tournament tour filmer. <laughs> like that dude, is, that's ordered. <laughs> yeah. I like the versatility. My range is stunning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's really just gotten that crazy for me that I've, I've been filming this billfish tournament in Costa Rica the last few years and it's a really cool project because i film for four days and then i have to have a video ready on the night of the fifth day for the banquet oh so yeah it's, like, it's showtime dude, it's heavy yeah yeah it's heavy you're like up all night the night before editing making this kick-ass like highlight reel or whatever yeah and then um and then yeah i'm i'm not gonna be editing on these other ones but it's like it is funny as i think it'll be on like cbs or something the, the actual uh, oh that's awesome it's where whenever they turn out it'll be televised somewhere but it's like i don't know i want to learn that side of video production too because my whole uh, first of all it's, i've only been self-taught like, yes youtube university so like <laughs> i'm a creative person but it's like i haven't ever been around other people that film like my buddies don't film down there i'm the only one on the camera gotcha. so it's been like it's going to be cool hanging out with some people that kind of know their stuff to like may have gone to like film school or something right and in a different light like in a different angle than i'm used to versus like i'm used to this like really running gun like hobo style of doing things and which works when you're doing it by yourself but yeah i'm gonna be on a team with nine other dudes or something so it's it's gonna be a good learning experience and hopefully i could take that and uh 
it can help build sort of my whatever you know annual projects i decide to work on in the future for sure yeah that's awesome man well you are you are definitely in the uh I follow you under the most interesting people I know category. So it, uh, <laughs> you never fail to disappoint with a picture video or gosh, just looking at your calendar. So <laughs> yeah, it's a nightmare. And I'm like, it's again, my, my wife is my, uh, she's my trip planner in a way because I'm like the most logistically handicapped person <laughs> in the world. I swear, dude, like I go, I look at what's happening next week or, and I could barely hold on to that. <laughs> She's your manager. And, uh, She's your manager. She's definitely my manager. There's no <laughs> doubt. Dude. There's no doubt. I could uh, not do it without that woman. So that's awesome. If she ever leaves me, you'll know because everything I do is going to come to a screeching halt. Well, then you'll be really the guy that, like, I thought you were, like, just a total exactly. degenerate, like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you'll know. Yeah. Keep, that's keep tracking me. And when you see it all come to a stop, you're like, oh, she's gone. She gone. She left him. She gone. <laughs> oh, man. That's too good. Well, we're sniffing up on an hour, man, and I like to kind of keep it at oh. that time. Um, totally. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can learn more about you? I mean, you 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 have probably one of the most gorgeous Instagram accounts that I ever look at, and I look oh, at. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Way too many Instagram accounts. So, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell people what what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, so we're um, pretty much backwater fly fishing on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, mm-hmm. and on the web at backwaterflyfishing.com. Yeah, I try, and um, I'm very strict on myself about Instagram. At least I've, I'm on a, and more. It was more of a challenge to myself, but I'm a, on a three posts a day Instagram freaking mission. So Dude, you're an you're animal, guaranteed to to be getting photos there. The YouTube's pretty popular with fly tying and fishing videos, and the web is sort of a bloggy type place to post the videos. And then um, for. Uh, what else I got going on? I do have a Patreon for backwater fly fishing that has, if you're into fly tying, a bunch of hidden content on there that you can unlock by signing up. And then there's the backwater media productions where if anyone wants to hire me for any private gigs or corporate stuff, you can find me there. Yeah. And that's and pretty much it, dude. Wow. It's a lot, man. I would highly encourage all my <laughs> listeners to check out definitely um, the fly tying. If you are a fly tire, Jesse's saltwater flies are some of the most creative out there that i mean how many flies are you tying now a year i mean at one point i think i maybe did around eight thousand. like uh, right now i'm like in between everything i tie flies like that's the crazy thing is like yeah i get home and i'm just like backed up on fly orders i'm gonna have to shut the online store down again um <laughs> so everybody log on and get their there. orders in <laughs> yeah i mean right now i'm at like realistically i'm at a month out pretty much all the time on turnaround. And then as soon as I start doing these video gigs, there's just no way I could keep up with them both. So, um, yeah, it's a big part of it. Like I said, that's how it all started was, was my buddy saying, Oh, you should sell that fly. And at that (laughs) point I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a YouTube. I have nothing. That's so funny. Yeah. Let me go. And I started with this one fly and then started teaching people about tie flies. And then, Man, it's just evolved. And then it was like, we're going to guide. I'm like, okay, we need media. I'll start making videos. And then people then people are like, oh, those are nice videos. You want to make videos for me? And I'm like, you know, and it's just like, 
All started from a fly, man. And I think that's. It's a good story, the, dude. It's a good story. The, it, it's, it is a story, dude. It's, it's crazy. I still remind my friend who, who's like really hustling down in Costa Rica now with tours. He's guiding yeah. him and stuff while I'm running around like a moron. He's like, I remind him all the time. I'm like, you're the one that told me to sell that fly. <laughs> Like, you're the one that started this whole thing telling me to do oh, that. Oh, that's so good. I always remind him because he's like, he's like, oh, dude, we're so busy and we're, you know, I don't, I'm like, bro, you freaking told me to sell it. Yeah. And now this is what we're doing with our lives, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's that's cool. good. But I think that's it, dude. Like if you go hard enough at something you care about long enough uh, and get, and obviously get good at it, people are going to notice. And I think that's then the key is just consistency for me. Uh, well, cool, man. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. And I mean, I know it's late where you are is the chances of you and me being in the same time zone are pretty much zero. So pretty much zero. (laughs) (laughs) We do got to meet in the flesh though. One day we do. We will. We will. We will make that happen. So well, be well, man. Take care. Best of the family. And thank you so much. No better fish better part of the barbless podcast network special thanks to our sponsors without them this show would not be possible like this episode leave a review 